4: For logbook servicing you can rely on you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty book in or book online at
1: repcoservice.com
4: Well the time for talking is over. We're less than 30 minutes away from the Kiwis kicking off the World Cup campaign against Lebanon. I think that game's at Warrington tonight. England showed in their opener that it doesn't matter what your team looks like on paper it's about what you do on the park. that it counts and one man that could be always relied on to show up on the day was the beast Kevin. Needle. The Kiwi legend joins us from the Cook Islands as we count down to the game today. Kiorana Kev the Beastie Boy. How you go, man?
0: Kiorana Kempi, how's it going?
4: <laughs> Mate, good uh geez, what's the weather like up there? We we get a bit of cold, bit of a cold snap down there. You must be enjoying the sun.
0: Oh yeah, it's too hot here. Actually, too humid. But you know, someone's got to live up here, so
4: <laughs> that's the way. Hey mate, the World Cup—you're looking forward to it. What? What do you like about this Kiwi team that uh, we've put together for the World Cup?
0: Well, obviously, there's talent right across the board. But probably the main thing is you've got three cookie boys in there at the starting lineup, so can't go wrong. <laughs> Three
1: cookie boys getting the job done. Hey, but we saw, uh, Kevin, it's Izzy here, mate. Appreciate you coming on the <laughs> show. We saw it doesn't matter how stacked your side is. You saw with Samoa, they got a quality outfit, but they got demolished from England. So what does the Kiwis need to do to make sure they don't do the same thing that's uh, that Samoa put on the park over the weekend?
0: Yeah, well, I think... Most of the teams, because they watched that game, will be on high alert. And, you know, I think it looked like Samoa, most of those boys are still on Mad Monday mode. So, um, you know, yeah. that, that sh- sh- um, fired a bit of a warning shot over the head of all the other NRL boys. So I think the, the Kiwis won't ever have any problems in, in that respect.
4: Hey Kev, when you look at the, just going back because that was my other question, when, you, when you're looking at the Kiwi side and you look at what Samoa and Tonga have done by, uh, by choosing their country over the, the likes of Australia and New Zealand, the three Cookie boys in the Kiwi side, who are they and what would your Cook Island side look like if they all went and played for uh, the Cook Islands as opposed to other countries?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're looking pretty strong anyway, but, yeah, um, the Kiwi boys that uh, could have played for the Cooks was uh, Joey Manu, uh, Jordan Rapana and Chance Nicole Klockstead. So um, the last two that I mentioned, that that have already played for the Cooks. Uh, Joey hasn't played yet, but we're hoping maybe next World Cup. And then you've got the likes of Valentine Holmes, who was sort of thinking about coming to the Cooks this year, but obviously chose Oz. And then, you know, you even got guys, um, even... uh, Papali, and um, from the Raiders, he's, he's he can play for the Cooks as well. So, yeah, if if all the Cookie boys did put their hands up, they'd be a you know, reasonably good side.
4: Yeah, and and the the side that you've put together and assembled up there, you're quite happy with. I see that KL, your boy, uh, your son who plays for Cronulla, has made the side. You've obviously got your brother Tony coaching the side. What what are the Cooks bringing to the, the competition?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and... and well, they've got a heap of experience. They've got guys that played in in the World Cup. They were in like 19 and 20 back in 2013, and they're still around um, the likes of uh, Dylan Napa and Dominic Peru, um, Zane Tetewano. You know, so journeyman now, but, you know, hopefully they bring that uh, experience. And you've got young kids like KL and uh, young Mwali from South Sydney, um, Piakura from the Broncos, a lot of good uh, young talent coming through as well. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll... they'll They'll hold
1: their own. Well, coming back to the Kiwis, it's about to start. The the coverage has just come up on the TV now, so we're ready to unveil the Kiwis taking on Lebanon. For you, what would be a complete, a satisfying performance from the Kiwis taking on Lebanon that will give us some indication, OK, they're, they've got a squad, but they've got the right game plan too?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, just... The fact that they show you know they're not, they're going to keep the error rate level of fear, side, particularly, um, and so they'll they'll have a well controlled uh, game as well with Moses and Dewey, but um, yeah, I, I just expect the Kiwis just to be too strong up front, and then obviously the Spines, you know, unbelievable Joey Manu at fullback. Um, the, the metres he, he's been getting when he plays in that position is unbelievable. So, yeah, I think they'll just be too much. But, yeah, you know, if they got the error rate down, it'll just sort of, I think it'll show that they're, they're all focused in.
4: Hey, Kev, you've played at a, cup, you've played at a couple of World Cups. Um, you've played for both New Zealand and the Cook Islands. What, what does it take, mate? What do, what do players need to be doing consistently up there to make sure that they're competing at the right end of the competition?
0: Oh, I think you know you've you've got to keep your your, your sort of po- you know your footy time, your post game time sort of busy, and, and and keep your mind off being homesick and being away from you know kids and families and all that, and just focusing on you know getting a job done, um, and then keeping the body right. You know, you, a lot of these boys have come off massive seasons in the NRL, and you know you can uh, normally. In an NRL season, you know, you'd be doing your rehab and all that every other day and your know, ice baths and that, and you get on tour, and sometimes you can be down at the mall most of the time. <laughs> so, you know, it's just about managing, I think.
1: Yeah, managing off the field. I can see a couple of them. I think this potentially might, what went what, what wrong with the Samoan toy team, just getting a little a bit excited over in the UK. But for Australia, mate, obviously they uh, put on a performance up against Fiji, Ado Car and uh, Cam Munster reigniting that combination that they had at the Storm, mate. Were you impressed with how Australia dismantled Fiji?
0: Yeah, and I'm, I was actually impressed with Fiji, how they started. But again, you know, it just comes down to that mm. depth and, and, and the guys at that, that, that level who can just turn it on, you know, when they have to. And uh, yeah, the Aussies are going to be very strong as well. Um, you know, you're still looking at the, the big three Aussie, New Zealand and, and um, England, but I mean Tonga and, and, and Samoa could turn things around, you know, you, you can't discount them just because of the, the personnel they have mm-hmm. on board. So yeah, it's gonna be a good tournament.
4: Mate, living up in the living up in the islands, you've been up there for a while now. It's uh it's uh, you know, been quite a quite a while um since our careers have finished. What what just let everyone know what you're doing up there because you're doing some really good stuff up there too aren't you with that that sea sanctuary that oh, you have the- around the islands
0: yeah yeah so um, at the moment you know i've been doing a lot of work with the oceans marae moana and um, our marine protected areas and all that sort of thing working with communities and just uh, education and awareness around you know sustainability of our oceans and how important it is for us as pacifica people uh, but, yeah, I've done stuff like, um, you know, sports academies and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, when you're in a small place, you sort of have your hand in a lot of things. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing quite a few things over here and, uh, yeah, really enjoying it. May, what's it like over in uh, Cook Islands? I haven't ventured
1: over there yet, but I've heard it's an amazing place. Is, is it getting busier? Tourists starting to make their way back to the islands?
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: no, the tourists are all back and uh, things are thriving again with the tourism industry. You're going to have to get Kempi to bring you up as he do a radio <laughs> yeah. show from up here.
4: Yeah, keen. Yeah, okay. yeah okay. You I should be easy too because now... <laughs> no, yeah, tourism's back and
2: booming.
0: And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're done good.
4: Yeah, it should be easy getting back up there now that you're the the king of uh, the Cook Islands. I should be able to get a bit of a budget (laughs) out of your government. Um, But anyway, mate, hey, all the best for the Cook Islands this uh, this coming tournament. I know that you've done some wonderful work up there, uh, getting all those boys to choose uh, their their home heritage island over uh, those other countries and go the Kiwis, mate. I know everyone here is pretty excited that we had you on this morning and we'll talk soon.
0: Yeah, cheers. Thanks for the chat, guys.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, there he is, Kevin Edel Can't be over in the islands, living island life. Man, it'll be so good. I'm looking out my window. It's yuck and foggy and horrible, and I bet you he's just sitting on the beach chipping away and uh, feeling warm in his jandals and bare yeah, feet in the, in the sand. and Oh, so good. You been, how many times have you been the Cook Islands?
4: Oh a number of times about I mean, so I've been up I there I've been up there as a tourist, then I've been up there as a, a guest of, uh, of Kevin as whānau, you know, like spent time up there in the islands, living the island way. Man, I think I went up there once the f- second time I went up there, I went up there with Kevin, in a week i put seven kilos on. <laughs> yeah, so so I <laughs> well, got no the, chance in. At the end of the week, I had to say to him, "Mate, I can't eat anymore." Because, you know, Cook Islanders they love to. Um, they're hospitable, and every time yep. we went out, there was a feast, and the and all of his aunties would sit down next to you, and just say, "Here, you get this," and keep pushing that, you know, coconut lamb and all sorts of. <laughs> You know, the coconut donuts and everything. We used to wake up in the morning, Kev would show up with coconut donuts from his aunties. And in the end of the week, I said to him, mate, we've got to stop going out. I can't eat anymore. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got no chance, Then I don't know if I could go over there. Ooh, I'll be rolling out of there. Wow wee. that sounds awesome. Never ventured over to the Cook Islands, it's but that is on my to-do it's list. It's a
4: beautiful island, mate. And he's doing some... Mm. We should get him back on more than, just an, uh, more than just an athlete because he's he just touched on the sustainability of the ocean in Rarotonga, but yep. he's actually got... It's the biggest marine park in the South Pacific, and he's got... Um, the rest of the world to recognise it as a marine park. He's worked on it for 20 years so um, we should get him back on to talk about that because it's actually uh, world known. He goes around those conferences around the world so mate apart from rugby league he's doing some pretty good awesome other uh, community stuff as well.
1: Uh, That is awesome. That is the heartbeat of the Pacific Islands is the ocean, the Moana. So I love what he's doing there and keeping it uh, vitalised and Exuberant and all going, so appreciate that. call, and let's look, look, chat. We, we touched on it with Sam Kempe, and I was a little bit like, wow, that they, they just don't quite look quite right. Mentally, physically, they looked underdone. Were you were
4: you surprised? You must have been surprised with that. Well, I've been talking to um, my mate Carl Hall up there because he's the liaison officer. He's looking after them up in Doncaster, and you know. He was saying, yep, they're, they're happy, all that sort of stuff. And I gave him a call straight after the game, and he just said they just didn't turn up, you know. And, and Kev's hit the nail on the head. You've got to think about it. They're probably still coming out of the back of, of celebrations yeah. and haven't yep. got themselves back up to the, to the level that it needs to be. And the other, the other part of it is that England would have used a lot of the post-celebrations from that Penrith backline as motivation. So you know what they've what what they've got is they've showed up half hearted and England have showed up full hearted and the line hearted yeah. have, have have done them mate and done them cold you know so yeah. can they come mm-hmm. back? Well, they're going to have to play. It looks like they're going to have to play Tonga in the in the in the first uh, major and mate, that's going to be a hard one. Yeah, that's
1: going to be a hard one. I'm just watching Jesse Bromwich on the telly at the moment doing a wee little pre match interview, but yeah, Samoa. Not quite there with their preparations, and well, that just shows you don't prepare right, you come out on the wrong end of the stick. Uh, that was Kevin Edo. If you've just tuned in, you can have a listen to that little podcast on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on the SCNZ app, Talking All Things League and Cook Islands. He's over in the islands. He invited me over, and I'm going to take up that offer with you. we will go over and put on seven kilos each, eh? <laughs> How good. <laughs> what another weekend of action in the Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns got the job done against Wales, while the Aussies snagged their first win in pool play in a tight one over Scotland. But the game of the round has to be England v France, which lived up to the hype, as neither team were willing to give an inch. That fierce French defence, though, relented just enough to allow English to extend their undefeated streak to 27 tests and re-establish themselves as tournament favourites, while in some people's at least. To break down the game and more for us is itv rugby world cup commentator nick heath who is over there in the uk evening nick morning to you
5: evening good morning how are you
1: good thank you mate let's talk us through that french taking on the english there was no love loss. genuine wow i hate to say it. it's a harsh word but I hate for each other mate what a what a game
5: yeah absolutely brilliant wasn't it and it is that rivalry that has been the real focus for women's rugby fans across the world we know obviously the the history with the black ferns and, and that they are always at the top table but we've we've had the chance to enjoy england france uh, plenty through the women's six nations every every spring up here um they put in plenty of uh, of friendlies as well against each other and they've just driven the standards really high up here in europe and uh, i've been over to france commentating on the french quite a lot, and uh, and look, the Red Rose's record of 27 consecutive wins speaks for itself as well, so it was always going to be tight. I actually was surprised at how tight it was, because the French uh, lost a warm-up game to Italy. They weren't all that convincing in a second game they had against them uh, the week before. Uh, they uh, they have just looked a little out of sorts since a couple of coaching changes since the end of the Six Nations, so I, I was even hesitating, given the English juggernaut, that they might put 20, 25 points on France, but boy, Mm. did Le turn up it was brilliant
4: <laughs> Hey Nick the, the World Cup are you surprised at the standard of it and, and which other teams that you've watched do you think are, uh, are, are going to challenge the English Rises
5: uh, the standard's been been fantastic and I actually think that the latest watershed moment in in where teams have gone in terms of their professional outlook and their ability and their skill set has been as much about the preparation time many of the teams have had before arriving in Aotearoa rather than just what they've they've done since they've been on the ground. Because, you know, England have been professional for, for, for a few years now. They had eight weeks together in preparation, which has, has never been done before. The Welsh only went professional earlier this year they had plenty of weeks together before they went so actually this familiarity managing to get the strength and conditioning in all those edges that really make a difference at the top level uh, ha- have been happening over the sort of end of the summer up here before those teams have gone down so um, you know that's why we're seeing a- an even greater level and so many of these games even where they're finishing a little bit more one sided at times for the mm-hmm. first 40 the first 60 they're still pretty tight and um, as the other teams that I think are bringing it I think Canada are very 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 quietly going about their business. Um, I called their match against Italy last night uh, here in the UK. And, uh, and yeah, while Italy were, were desperate to, to play with all the flair, I think Beatrice Rigoni, the Italian 12, uh, is everybody's second favourite rugby player. She's an absolute baller. Uh, but while Italy <laughs> were trying to play, the Canadians just, you know, gently put the foot on the throat. They went catch and drive. Tosi got two more tries, so add to the three she got the week before to be the top try scorer in the comp, and Canada reminded us all why they're four-time semi-finalists. So, so they are, they are, they are, you know, coming along very nicely. So, I, I think uh, my prediction for those semi-finals will be New Zealand, France, England, and Canada. Ooh, well then, give us some a little bit of hope with New Zealand down under.
1: We've been getting excited, but if I'm completely honest, the set piece. Worries me. They got obviously exposed yesterday against the Welsh and the rolling more the scrum, scrum era. So that's going to be a huge concern. But anything that has impressed you with the Black fans?
5: Yeah, I think I think their overall attitude. Uh, I think you know, we've had a number of, of women's teams over the course of the last year, 18 months, who have found the power To speak out and and speak up and make and demand change, call out where the treatment hasn't been fair. and, uh, And the Black Ferns have done it. Canada have done it. Wales have done it um and uh, and that's what we need we need people to be held accountable because the women's game is growing participation is soaring it's outstripping participation of the amateur men's game in the UK um and so yep. you know the Black Ferns managing to do that and get themselves together over the last year I think has been really impressive I, I was calling their games when they visited here last November and uh well look let's let, let's not uh, remind Forget ourselves of it. it too much but they've <laughs> <laughs> four, yeah four pretty big losses but they handed out 15 you know new caps ultimately 15 debutants on that tour um and i'm really impressed with how quickly uh the black ferns have come together we always know the quality the basics that you guys do down there so well men's and women's rugby is is just another level so I, i'm really enjoying what i'm seeing but i think you're right to look at the set piece because that is the hallmark of the english side their catch and drive canada mm. is showing they've got that in their armory as well so uh, so yeah i think i think Probably up front, the Northern Hemisphere are shading it, but that back line, the likes of Ruhe, Demont, the likes of Ruby Tui, Portia oh. Woodman, scoring an obscene amount of tries in World Cups. So, What's she on eighteen now? Uh, I think uh, the the matchup when these teams start to meet is absolutely mouth watering. Hey Nick, do you think in that in that
4: case, you know, with it being a World Cup and there will be a little bit of um, caution thrown out there, would? Uh would we match them up front? Would the English have the, the play uh, to, to match the, the, the Kiwis or do you think it's just based on set play kicking game?
5: I think I think the physicality and possibly the fitness of the English is going to be greater than than what, what the Black Ferns have currently. Um, it's just the the nature of the abrasive forwards that England have, and they've got a long line of them. Whether they're the ones in the starting fifteen, the twenty three, or or further back, or even those on these shores that, that didn't make the final thirty two, um, you know, there, there's plenty of talent within that Black Ferns team. And um, I'm not going to be the one to front up to any of them in a coffee shop and tell them they can't take it to the English. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i think i think that'll be a slight area where i think they're not you know as i say where england and france and canada may feel they've got an edge but um i uh, while, while i think all those teams will be very proud of, of what they offer defensively um, I'm not yet convinced by England's backline they've got a star in Emily Scarrett Zoe Harrison's been slightly off her game they've got great wingers who they seem to get the ball to relatively easily but if there is a decent three quarter line defence there uh, then uh, then I'm not quite sure what England's other options are they're not content to play off nine um, so so I think that'll be really interesting when they, when they come up against teams and, and a team like the Black Ferns coached by Wayne Smith that will have all the rugby net Mouse, uh,
1: that will really question them. Yes, well, we're just going to touch on Emily Skerritt. Where does she, where does she sit in conversation of all time greats and how do England unlock her? She's probably the biggest star in the competition when it comes in terms of global superstars, Emily. Everyone knows her name. So how do they unlock her and where does she sit in, in terms of, of greats?
5: I hope Ruby is not listening to you saying that, by the way. uh, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, she is right out there she's a former former world rugby world player of the year uh she scored all of England's points uh, in the game uh yesterday yeah. um she's world class absolutely world class she's worked on her kicking game um it's uh, it's exemplary most of the time I think she was getting used to the match ball probably in that first one but uh, but was more on song uh, against the french um, and uh, it's it's also the stuff, you know, she's not always going to be cutting through the midfield, which she is capable of doing, but actually her catch pass and her vision as to what option to take is really what sits her a cut above. Her rugby brain seems to work just one or two phases quicker than everybody else's. And uh, and so her ability to give her wingers the space to create that little ball back inside, or if she's going to act like a 12 as much as a 13 and hit the contact and try and get the ball free. I, I think she's, she's got an all-court game, and that's why she's, she's up there and, and has had such longevity. It's why she was a World Cup winner uh, eight years ago, and, and I know that those Red Roses have got their eye on that trophy once again. Hey,
4: Nick, just tell us a little bit about Simon Middleton. We all know, you know um, about the Kiwis and the coaching staff, the Henrys and all that that are helping down here, but Simon Middleton's come out of Rugby League um, from Castleford, mm-hmm. He's he's now picked up the World Coach of the Year. Uh, just w- what what is it so special about Simon that he's br- that he that brings to the English Rose team?
5: Well, Simon Middleton came into the England setup alongside Gary Street when they uh, when they went to France in 2014 and, and lifted the trophy and. Uh, and the sort of previous era, to give context to where Simon Middleton is, was was very much a period of the game where there was a lot of arm round the shoulder, almost sort of father figure stuff from coaches to to develop the women and and make them feel that this was a safe space for them to to learn the game, develop their physicality, and and be able to to play the game at the highest level. But but that was sort of that period. And actually, by the time they lifted that trophy, the game was beginning to change. The commitment from the players, their understanding of what was needed of them, was changing, and it, and it was a perfect change of the guard, really, for Simon Middleton to take over because, uh, as he said in a, in a documentary that was that was done behind the scenes with the Red Roses just before they they left these shores, he said he coaches the same, whether it's men or women. And ultimately, he's not interested in the fact that the women's game may be younger and that there are that there may not be as many professional sides. He is going to coach his side as he would any team. And, and his standards are high. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, he uses his league background, uh, his relationships with the players. He, he wants to get the best out of them as people, the best out of them as players as well. Um, and uh, and he's brought in former England second row Lewis Deacon as well to help with the forwards. He's got Scott Beeman looking after the backs. But um, but mids, as he's known, he's uh, he is a good Northern lad. who's he's played his rugby league, um, and uh, and he's very proud of where he's taking taking this England team. Just quickly, Neith, uh, Nick, sorry Neith Nick Keith, um,
1: just uh, in terms of pay equity, um, w- do you f- do you feel like it's a fair reflection of where the women's game? Is there at the moment, and, and women's players are content, or have we got a hell of a long way to go?
5: What was that in terms of what they're paid?
1: Yeah, like pay equity and just where they're getting the recognition in sport from their unions, where they're at at the moment. Do you feel like it's a fair reflection of where the game's at globally, globally or do you feel yeah. like we've got a long way to go?
5: I think the uh, part of the issue is you know we've still got teams that aren't fully professional the Italians have joined the party the Scots are going to be going professional after the rugby world cup Um, But you've got a team like France. They've been offered, you know, greater and more more full-time contracts than they have. But some players have opted to keep them as part-time. They like the fact that they've got something outside of rugby. They've got full-time careers and and actually they want to go and and train in the extra hours. So so some some women out there are are not keen to just snap up full-time professional contracts. I think, look, we know the women's game is growing. We know that the full commercial value is not quite yet reflecting the growing interest in the game. We had nearly a million people tune in to the coverage of that France-England game here, which is fantastic. Uh, England and and, and the RFU up here have got a target to uh, to sell the 1st standalone women's international at Twickenham for England-France to conclude uh, next uh, April's Women's Six Nations uh, with a target to sell out Twickenham when the World Cup is hosted up here in 2025. So the numbers are growing. The, uh, the investment is growing. The commitment from the players, plenty of these squads have been training and acting like professionals for many years. So you want them to be remunerated and, and remunerated fairly. Um, there are all sorts of questions in the men's game up here at the minute with two men's clubs in all sorts of trouble and being uh, being sent yeah. into administration in the men's ship in Worcester and Wasp. So I think we need to be realistic about how the money gets into the women's game the rfu on a club perspective have a strategy for 10 years uh, which is to put money into the women's club game to get it professional but it's only expected to break even after seven years so everyone's aware of the time it's going to take they do need to be remunerated but i think everyone has to understand that progress is good but doing it at the right pace is really important
1: yeah, that's spot on, mate. It's crazy what's going on up there, it's particularly with the Wasps. This club with so much history, I can't believe it's happening, but that's just the, the world we're living in at the moment. It's very, very tough out there. Mate, we appreciate you coming on, Nick Heath, ITV Rugby World Cup commentator, talking all things Rugby World Cup. Down under here, we're hoping yes. our Black Ferns can go forward. they got a long way to go, though. England are looking quality, as always. Thank you so much, Nick. Pleasure. Appreciate it. There is Nick Heath out of the UK and talking about our uh, Black Ferns. The set piece is worrying me, Kempe. I know it'll be worrying you too, mate. Yesterday, they obviously, when it's unstructured and they're able to play with some freedom, they look classy. I'm still questionable on two things. Set piece, piece is one of them. And yesterday, the kicking game, the, the kicking non-existent game. kicking mm. game is... Crazy. They can't. They won't be able to run it from their own 22 against an English side that defensively are sound. They're going to have to find something in the next couple of weeks to relieve that
4: pressure to get them out of their attacking uh, zone because you can't. You just can't run it. Yeah, we t- we touched on that too. You know, like yeah. Um, the kicking game's are really important in women's rugby, and we saw we saw that against England. England's kicking game against France. You know, just c- kept turning it around. Nice big boot. Um, and when you're playing at that level, it's, it'll make a set piece kick and, go and make a make a big difference, is he so. Yeah, you're dead right. Flair. Everything, when you're playing with flair, as we're seeing with the Kiwis up against Lebanon, everything has to go your way. But errors come into your game and a team that's so structured, if you if you're handing over ball, you're not getting out a good field position. You're just going to get you're going to get buried at that level. But was another beautiful day in Wellington as the Phoenix played another heart stopper. At home in front of a bustling home crowd, they secured a last-minute draw over the Mariners thanks to an own goal. Ben Wayne was tremendous as always, scoring his second goal to start the season strong, and he's on the line with us now. Morena, what? Morena, Ben. Hey, hi. Yeah, good mate. You'd be happy to get the draw yesterday.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit frustrating. I think I was happier <laughs> to take the draw in the first game, considering the circumstances. Um, yesterday, I was just a bit gutted that we didn't get the three points. To be honest,
4: yeah, down home there with the, uh, do you think some of the offsides were questionable?
3: Yeah, I still need to watch the game back. I haven't really seen some of them, but I just know it took, took quite a while on it. There was a few few large stoppages during the game to try and sort it out. So yeah, I'll have to have a look later. To be honest
1: mate you, you can't beat a Wellington crowd the most passionate and dedicated fans so it's, what's it like being home the, the morale obviously results you've got two draws but the morale not too bad
3: yeah no the crowd's amazing as always like you said it's um, I mean for me i grew up going to the stadium and watching the games watching the phoenix even the rugby and stuff like that so now being able to play in front of them is just a, it's a dream come true
4: hey being david ball up front you're missing you're missing him as a striker
3: I mean, yeah, Borley gives us a, another dynamic up front, and um, I sh- I'm not sure how far away he is, to be honest, but I know that he'll
1: he'll add, um, add a lot when he comes back into the squad. Mate, some things that uh, have been thrown out, obviously, after Danny Hayes gone as today has obviously been, been massive for you boys as coach, and all his sale come out yesterday and said he'd be a perfect fit for the all wise. What makes him such a good coach for you, mate?
3: I mean... Well, when I came into the Phoenix I was a I was a little scrawny winger and he's kinda of helped me develop into a a <laughs> bit of a bulked up um, <laughs> a bit of a bulked up forward now you could say. So he's definitely helped me develop my game and and the way the Phoenix play the football kinda of changed the the identity of the club I guess I think anyway. So I mean I don't there's nothing saying he can't do that with the um with the national team.
4: Mate, up against the Jets on Saturday, what are you expecting from them?
3: Oh, I'm expecting a tough game. I mean, obviously, we've got to we've got to go over there, and now we've got to kind of deal deal with the travel. It's a bit different to kind of to to living over there. It's easy when you have to only travel in between states and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're looking forward to the game, and yeah, can't wait.
1: Mate, the results. Obviously, you've the last five minutes. You've obviously got one back. you pegged one back in that last five, but you let one go <laughs> in that first game, mate. So, look. Uh, to get the job done, where where's the biggest work on this week? Where do you think Talay will be pointing to to make you change the results and get a win in the end?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll find out this morning when we have a team review. But I assume it's it's going to be the team as a whole. You can't pick out certain yeah. players or certain units in the squad. It's a team as a whole trying to see out a game. And and yeah, uh, I guess I guess we'll find out more. And hopefully uh, we can change some things and it's for the better.
1: Beautiful, mate. We're going to let you go, Ben, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Welcome home. It's great to see the Phoenix fans amongst the Sky Stadium. There is no better sight, mate. They're passionate, as always. Can you quickly just give us an inkling of why the football fans are so crazy and other sports fans are just so timid? What do they do, mate? (laughs)
3: Honestly, I've, I've got no clue, but I love it. I tell you that much, I absolutely love it.
1: Oh, mate, we need to get some of them at All Blacks games. I'm sick of the All Blacks. <laughs> All Blacks, man, it's boring, I tell you. Anyway, <laughs> the, mate, uh, Ben the, Wayne.
2: The
1: <laughs> Oh, they're so boring. Anyway, well done. Appreciate it, mate. Go well over in uh, Newcastle and, and get the job done. But it's great to see you and in the in the boys home back at Sky Stadium. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Ben Wayne, appreciate it. Sweet. Thank you, guys. Awesome. There he is, Ben Wayne, talking football phoenix two draws from two games, they're going to head over and hopefully can get the job done. G'day, Pat.
2: G'day, Izzy. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you, mate. Let's start with Hemi Ahuyo's fight. What did you make
2: of this one? Guys, can I just say, that actually, I work for TVNZ now, and, of course, um, uh, TVNZ had, had the rights to this uh, to this card. It was shown mm. free to air on TV1, which is fantastic. Uh, Hemiahuyo. Very, very disappointing uh, for, for for that young young man uh, in terms of his performance and result. First professional loss. Um, he, he he looked flat. He almost looked a bit uninterested um, in in the ring, which is which is odd because there was so much at stake for him. Uh, he, he wants to go to the next level, but uh, instead he's gone down several several steps and and losing to a guy in Australia called Fanga O'Pelu who stood in front of him and just kept hitting him in the head. And, um, and in the end, in the, in the fourth round, the ref, the ref really had no option but to stop it. And so a very disappointing way for, for uh, Hemi Ahiro to um, really attempt to go to the next level, and yet he'd probably gone down several steps.
4: What does that mean for him um, going forward? You know, Hemi, Hemi basically, after his last fight, said he wanted to get out there and, and take on the best. What does it actually yeah. mean for him now?
2: Oh look he, he, he's a brave guy, and he just wants to get in there and bang with the, with the best of the heavyweights in the world but I, I'm not sure he's at that level to be honest um mm. he's He's not a young man either he's he's in his early thirties um i i think um yeah i I think his dro- his stocks have dropped significantly because I, I I'm just not sure um despite the fact that he he has looked very good he's looked in the past he's looked dynamic powerful. Um, a real, a real dangerous customer in the ring, but he, he certainly didn't look like that yesterday. And to be honest, I'm really not sure where he goes from here. Yeah, but certainly, it's it's not once and upwards. It's uh, he's not putting himself in line for the big fight overseas. Unfortunately.
1: What about David? Obviously, David just putting on a clinical second round knockout of Titi Mutusanga. Yeah. Look, mate, it's, uh, pretty impressive. Each time, where does, yeah. he, where does he sit right now? Where is he sitting right now but, on in terms of boxing futures?
2: Oh, it's really the sky's the limit for him because this was quite a risky fight for David. And in the past, he he's looked probably overly aggressive at times and a little bit careless. And, um, mm. It's as though he, he really wants to put on a show and to show he belongs on the professional stage after his brilliant amateur career. But Yesterday, I thought he was—he just looked really disciplined. He looked sharp, focused, really compact. He worked behind the jab, and that finish with the one-two. Um, poor Titi who who's a pretty good fighter, really, on, on, certainly on, on a domestic level. He just didn't see the right hand coming. He was knocked senseless and, and crashed to the canvas. So, a very, very impressive uh, performance. Second round knockout for. David Nika, who he's he's linked up with Noel Thornbury in Queensland, a very good trainer, well well regarded in Australia and and in the world. To be honest, in terms of trainers, and that partnership looks pretty good. So, I think David said he he wants to return to New Zealand and and start fighting again here. So, uh, that that's certainly something to look forward to because he is a he's a proper uh, a prof, proper prospect in the cruiserweight uh, division.
4: Yeah, man, what a what a knockout! Like that overhand right, right. It, it was so yeah. they, they slowed it down, and the poor the poor guy they got you know he couldn't get up off the canvas. So anyone watching that um, will be careful of of David's uh, right hand in the future. Is there well, is there a, yeah. a champion shot for him somewhere down you know um, down the path? like yeah. coming back to New Zealand, is that really the best place for him to come? Should he be fighting up in the states?
2: Well, I think it's what what it's all about now is. Um, you know, uh, probably finding opponents <laughs> because I don't think there's going to be that many people who want to get in, in the ring with David Meeker without getting paid very well for the privilege. Mm. And so that's probably going to be the challenge for him. I, I think he wants, I think the plan is to come back to New Zealand, build a, re, a real profile here, fighting uh, around the country, sort of like what Joseph Parker did um, before sort of launching. To the next level overseas but certainly uh, given his physical attributes like he's six foot six he's you know obviously 90 kg but he's an to announce that on him he's technically superb um mm. he's a very dangerous man to get in the ring with and um you know the, the cruiserweight division is pretty strong at the moment but i think one guy i think We'll all be keeping an eye on him, in terms of a potential opponent in the future is an Australian called Jaya Pattaya, who's undefeated. He's 22-0. Mm. and 0. He's highly, highly ranked and well regarded in the world. And that, that fight, if, if and when it happens, uh, has the potential to be a real blockbuster.
1: Well, that'll be a huge dust-up. He's very, very <laughs> class as Pattaya. Hey, uh, what next for Kamboso Jr.? He obviously lost to Devin Haney twice yeah. now, um, what's a good matchup for him upon his return and Devin Haney just looks unstoppable, he obviously holds all the bouts.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Devin Haney he's the real deal isn't he, he's just, his uh, nicknames the dream and, he, and that, that's the way he fights <laughs> uh, and he, 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 he turns fights into nightmares for his opponents. Um, yeah, he's obviously undefeated. He's got all the blood for lightweight division. He's, um, he's a proper world champion, isn't he? Undisputed. Uh, so almost all that was for him. But for Cambosis, he has to rebuild now. He said after the, his defeat um, that he's not finished. He wants to have a good rest and then start building back up. But, um, you know, after the highs of uh, of his world championship victory... I think it was late last year um, in, in the USA, which was a fantastic effort. quite a big upset. I, I think he he's obviously a very brave um, fighter. He might be a little bit limited. I think he was probably exposed a bit by Haney, um, but um, you know he's he's certainly got a following in Australia um, across the board, including with the with the very loyal Greek community. So. Uh, I'm sure you know uh, he, he can he can build back up again.
1: Oh, well, quickly before we let you go, mate. Wilder knocked out Robert helenius mm. in the first round on Sunday. Wilder's
2: yeah. uh, oh
1: just power showcasing. He's back, mate. Is he back? He
2: he does appear to be back. Is he? And uh, I did <laughs> tune in for that knockout, <laughs> but it didn't take long that fight, did it? Um, no. And uh, helenius Hellen- I thought. I think he might go a bit better than that i think he put up a pretty good effort i think it was a, was against someone like a, a british guy like Divian white or something which i think i might have gone the distance so he can take a punch but he, he couldn't take that punch from wilder who uh, you know he, he retired from the sport um briefly after uh, yeah. after his latest loss to tyson fury which was fairly comprehensive you know people thought that that might be might be the end for Wilder, one of the biggest punches ever in the heavyweight division, but no he's back and that and that right hand certainly doesn't appear to have lost any uh potency. let's put it that way Hellenius crashed, crashed to the canvas, and he was gone so um you know he, again uh, he's an excitement machine, isn't he wilder uh, yeah. he's just you can't you can't take your eyes off the screen when he's fighting, so um he's great for boxing and and great for the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah, great for the heavyweight division. Our very own Joseph Park, he's back in Samoa. Who and when do you see him fight next? I'm hearing talks of December,
2: not too far away. That's when he wants to fight. Uh, he, yeah. he wants to get back in the, in the ring as soon as possible, and, and presumably he'll be back in the UK. So, yeah, he, as you say, he's, I think he's enjoying a family holiday at the moment. He deserves it, too. He's working pretty hard. Um, a yeah. pretty good, pretty good performance. I think he was just he just outgunned on the night against Joe Joyce, wasn't he? Uh, Joyce, the, the Englishman, always undefeated. He's, he's rocketing up the division in terms of rankings. He, he's probably better than I thought he was to be honest. Joyce, he fought really well, but Joe, yeah, he gave a good account of himself. Um, wasn't his night. Um, he, he's going to rebuild and and I guess he, he wants to get back in the ring as soon as possible. So uh, yeah, look out for that. Hopefully before Christmas. yeah Yeah, beautiful.
1: David Nika and Joseph Parker flying the flag for the Kiwis. Appreciate you, Patrick McKendry, TVNZ reporter, talking all things boxing. Well done to David Nika. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate your time.
2: Thanks, Izzy. Pleasure, mate. There he is,
3: Patrick McKendry.